0: You can do anything you want to do as a business owner. And sometimes we put ourselves in confines of what we think we're supposed to do or what we think a professional photographer does or a business owner does. And it's important to remind yourself to take away those self-imposed parameters. Think about what you really want out of your life and out of your business and then creatively problem solve how to get to where you want to be and if you can always think about things in a different way and always keep that end target in mind that you can be extremely successful and live an extraordinary life in the process.
1: Hey this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast episode 137. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and today on the show, I'm bringing back on a couple of guests and also my favorite people in the whole world, Kathy and Peter Holcomb. Kathy and Peter are two of the most adventurous people I've ever met. In the past two years, they've kayaked the entire Grand Canyon twice with their 14-year-old daughter, Abby, built an incredible photography business working with brands like Jackson Kayaks, Winnebago, GoPro, and they spend over 300 days on the water per year while traveling full-time in their Winnebago view. I interviewed them way back on episode 12, just when the podcast was getting started, about how they transitioned their photography studio in Boulder, Colorado, to working full-time on the road and shooting with clients from all different places across the country. But in today's episode, I really dig into the weeds with them on how you can actually start your own photography business, find clients, build a portfolio, and get noticed. And I will just say before jumping in, this episode is centered around building their photography business. But I really think some of the things that they share, the principles they apply, other than getting into the weeds on camera gear and things like that, really apply to so many more business and startups than just photography. So if you're not a photographer, there's still a lot of things that you can take away from this episode. And what I took away most from this interview was how the Holcombs were able to get a foot in with the largest wedding venues in Colorado when they were first getting started with their wedding business. So many people in their position will just go buy an ad on WeddingWire or The Knot and then wonder why their business isn't growing when in reality, everybody does that just because it's an easy thing to do. It's hard to be creative and thoughtful and find a way to reach out to these wedding venues and actually think about and provide ways of value for them. But that's what the Holcomb's were able to do. It 10X their wedding business, and they apply it to everything that they still do today. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, so I know you guys are really going to enjoy this episode with Kathy and Peter. Today's episode is sponsored by the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting down with other people and sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and the Google Play Store and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Kathy and Peter Holcomb. Kathy and Peter, thanks for being on the podcast with me, guys. Thank you.
0: We're excited to talk to you.
1: It's great to be back. I know. It's been like two years since we talked.
0: A lot of things have happened in two years for all of us.
1: Quick highlight. So when we talked a couple years ago... You guys had been on the road for maybe like a year and a half, maybe two years at that point. Y'all had a photography business in Boulder, Colorado. You transitioned it into, you said, you basically said that you wanted to go do more of the photography you love, adventure photography, and spend less time working on the business. So you guys went out and made that happen. But since we talked a couple of years ago, like, give me some of the quick highlights just before we dive in. Like, You guys have kayaked the entire Grand Canyon twice. Is that right?
2: Yes, we have. Um, it's funny, even going back a little further, I remember distinctly talking with you. We were sitting in front of the library in Moab, Utah, <laughs> using their Wi-Fi, talking to you for the first time, and we hadn't met. And now we've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, and that's been amazing. But yeah, we've um, gosh, we've been coast to coast. Um, we've made X's around the country. We've been <laughs> to Alaska. We've um, uh, gosh, every we've been to every state except for Hawaii. We've done a lot of different adventures. We do a lot of whitewater kayaking. is kind of our main thing. So we've been um, two trips down the Grand Canyon. Those are like multi-day, almost 300-mile trips, each one of them. And um, gosh, just, I don't know. It's like it goes on and on. You know, it's <laughs> like you ever wake up and you just almost – you feel like you're dreaming, but it was like it really happened, and then you, you almost can't remember where you've been and what, what's going to totally. happen next. all the time. It's like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so – but it's been, it's been a blessing and it's been really amazing and we wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Yeah. And you guys, uh, like outside of that, you've also hosted a couple of creative live classes, which are really cool. If people have never heard of them, you should totally check out creative live. So you all have done that. You'll spoke at our conference.
2: Yes. that was definitely a highlight of our year. <laughs> it was so amazing meeting all these kindred spirits and just, just the energy going on there was incredible. So yes, thank you yeah. for hosting
1: that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming. So let's let's dig into uh, this episode today. So if you want to hear more of Kathy and Peter's story, go check out the first episode with you guys. But I thought it'd be kind of cool to start before we kind of dig into the nitty gritty of starting a photography business. A lot of people hitchhike in New Zealand and we actually, we had never picked up a hitchhiker before. And so that was one of our goals. So we picked up a hitchhiker the other day And she was talking about how she loved photography. And we went on a hike together to this glacier, Alyssa and I and her. And basically she was saying, like, "I, I love photography, but I can't actually make a living at it because everyone can take photos now. And, you know, it's everyone's camera, everyone has decent stuff, and shows she's like talking, she's young, so she's 21. So, I guess just starting out here, what would you say to somebody who loves photography but is afraid that the industry is oversaturated and that they couldn't make a decent living?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, the industry is saturated. There are a lot of people that want to make a living as a photographer, but there's also a huge market for photography. And so I think that when people go into photography, oftentimes they want to dabble in a little bit. They want to give away their work until they feel like they're good enough. They want to charge less because they're just starting out. And I think that's why so many people struggle making a living. And I always liken it to any other profession. A brand new teacher doesn't go in and say, I'm going to give away a year of teaching until I figure this out or an attorney fresh out of law school doesn't say, Oh, I'm going to draft all these contracts for a year for free until I get really good at it. Um, They just kind of dive in and charge a living wage. And as artists, it's really hard to do that because our work is so personal. And so um, someone just starting out, my number one advice is, Go in and be a professional from day one, charge a living wage that you can sustain and live on and live with, basically, and treat it like you would any other profession. And if you do those things, you're automatically going to set yourself apart from everybody else that's out there saying, oh, I'm just going to try this out and see how it goes. And so you've already set yourself up as being totally different than that. And I think that that's the number one thing. If you can get confidence in selling your work at a, a professional rate, then you can be successful in this industry, even though it is saturated with so many people.
1: Mm. So you you would say that it's more important to just go ahead and start thinking about it from a business from day one, if that's what you want to do with your life, even if you're literally just getting started, even if you don't know very much about photography at all, just having that confidence to say, like, I'm going to charge this is my skill set. And you can still be honest with people that you're just getting started, but just starting like that from day one will set you apart from so many people.
2: So you got to think about what's your goal, right? Is your goal? Just, I like working cameras and taking pretty pictures. If so, then maybe it's better as a hobby. But if your goal is to truly start a business that is going to provide for you and your family, then you have to approach it a little differently than just somebody who I just like to take pictures.
1: Hmm, Totally. Oh,
2: there's a difference there and anything, I think any profession that has also a population that just likes to do whatever it is, I don't even know what a good example of that might be, but photography is definitely one of them. You know, you, you will have a certain amount of the population that's willing to do work for free or very cheaply just because they love doing it. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your goal for yourself is to make a sustainable business, you can't just go in and expect to give away the world and um, still be there doing work a year later.
0: And loving that work. Once you start doing it as a profession, if you're not getting paid, eventually you will get burned out and it won't be fun anymore. Yeah. And so... I think the biggest thing is if you want to have a photography business, you have to be a business person first and a photographer second. Otherwise you'll never make a living doing it.
2: There's incredible photographers that you've never heard of and that aren't making money, definitely not professionally from their work, but they're incredible. They can hang with anybody. And then there's mediocre photographers who are really good business people and who know how to put that side of it together. And they're doing really well, financially. Um, so you, you find that the people who can, who have the skills on both ends, those are the people who are doing really, really well. Um, so it's really, you know, um, as as myself as an artist, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more suited towards the art side of it and less towards the business. It's, it's been more of a goal for, or I should say a, a chore for me to think about the business side because I always want to think in pretty pictures. You really, you know, you get to a point and you're like, yeah, photography is fun, but if I just am up all night, every night, banging away at it, not making you know, it, it worthwhile, then it can really lose its fun pretty quick.
1: Yeah, that's the second excuse I've heard so many people say, and that was actually something that she said in that conversation too, which was after she talked about it being oversaturated, she also said, I love photography, and if I go into it as my career, I won't love it anymore. And I almost... Think that maybe maybe that is true, but would what would you say for you guys? Has it has having having photography been your profession taken away the joy of taking photos?
2: Yeah, sometimes. Um, I mean, it's it's like anything you do it a ton, you eventually kind of tend to get tired of it or jaded or whatever. And with photography me personally speaking, I always have to challenge myself. I have to find something new and something interesting and something to keep me personally coming back for more. So, you know, example of that would be, you know, um, when we used to shoot weddings a lot, I would go to the same wedding venue, maybe 10 times, let's say in the course of a summer. And a lot of photographers are really just the easy way to do it is you got your go-to spots and you go there and you basically it's like a factory, you know, you like I'm going to make this picture here, I'm going to make that picture there. You
1: don't have to think about it.
2: Yeah, you go through your little list and you just bang them out and it really doesn't take much effort. I knew, you know, that 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 would get old in the in the long term. So, I always went into each wedding and some of these weddings I did 300 weddings at maybe the same spot over the course of 10 years. And I, I would go in there and my goal for the day was to create at least one new image that I was excited about that I'd never seen anyone else had made before and that I had never made before. So something totally fresh and that forced me to go into these situations and really look around and get creative and think about things. And it, it, it's funny because a lot of, um, a lot of brides would come to me wanting to hire me as their photographer and, and something they really look for is someone who has a lot of experience in a certain spot or a venue. To me, that was like the hardest situation is to go into a place that I'd done hundred weddings and be excited about it mm. because it's so much more exciting for me to go someplace new and see everything with fresh eyes. Cause
1: they probably saw that you got a particular shot and they were like, I want that shot. And you're like, I, I want to get a new shot.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, and to a certain degree I would do the, the, the things that, that I was known for, for doing there. But me personally, I always tried to push it one step past that and challenge myself and do something I'd never done before. Hopefully the client liked it, but honestly it was about me. It was about me staying engaged and excited about photography and thinking, thinking of it as a challenge rather than just something that I do as a repetition over and over. And that's what kept me interested and involved and excited and fired up every wedding I went to.
0: Well, And I think there's a really strong business component to the whole burnout factor as well. You can work yourself to death in any profession. And people often think of business as being dry and static and mathematical and boring, but it's actually an art form in itself. And what I had to do as the manager of the business is say, okay, how much work can Peter realistically do and still maintain our quality, our artistry, and our enthusiasm for the work that we do. And so I knew that while physically he could shoot 100 weddings a year or do 10 commercial sessions or whatever that number is, emotionally he was done after a certain number. And it's different for everybody and it's different for every kind of shoot, but you have to factor that into the equation whenever you're setting up your business and running your numbers to say, okay, how many of each type of session can I do before I'm burned out? And then you have to price yourself so that you can stay below that number and still make a living. Because pricing in art is tricky. It's subjective, and there's no right or wrong answer. But one of the factors to consider is how much can you do and still love what you do and still be really good at what you do.
1: Yeah, because we've i mean we been on projects where we knew we were charging a bit under market value for what we were doing. And our rationalization was, well, we're just still learning and we know that we're not at the point where we want to be yet. So they're getting a good deal and we're getting to continue doing something we enjoy. But I also found out that, that even though that may have been true it all, it never felt as good to feel like you aren't, it never feels good to feel like you aren't making what you should be making in any context. So yeah,
0: exactly. it's demoralizing. And to do that over the long haul, you just can't maintain that.
2: Yeah, We've had a lot, of, a lot of friends who have had photography businesses. And after a couple of years, some of them have just decided, I'd rather go back to what I was doing and just enjoy photography for photography's sake and not have to deal with you know crazy clients and doing things that, that, that weren't the fun part of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, that's what they've done. And they've been very happy with that.
1: I would say on the flip side of that, thinking back to just last summer, uh, we were all out in Buena Vista in Colorado shooting the Revel, which is like y'all's dream rig, and we're getting to create some really cool assets around this vehicle and just being a part of the production crew. That was kind of a flip scenario because it's like we're working in this industry that we really enjoy in a beautiful setting. You know, we're not... We're not making crazy, crazy mega bucks or anything like that, but we're getting paid our, you know, market rate kind of thing. So, and getting to work with people that we enjoy being around. And so to me, that was like almost the, the opposite of what we're talking about here from the burnout perspective, because then there are those circumstances where you're like, wait a minute, getting paid to create video assets for this really cool product out here in the mountains with my friends. And that was like, that's like, this is really, really cool. So I think there's, there's both sides of those
2: it's often people ask, you know, about how often how we work on the road and kind of I've gotten to where my response is. I, I almost don't know where work and play, but where the boundary is between them. They, they, I love my work and I love our play. And oftentimes my photo shoots are around things that I would just love to do anyway. Right. Don't tell Winnebago <laughs> that, but the rebel shoot was like a dream. You know, that was awesome. Yeah. And so, um, being out there and being a part of that crew and having that that creative freedom and that beautiful place and the everything coming together, that was amazing. And so those are the things that get me really excited: is projects like I, that. I think
1: while you guys are in Forest City right now, as a side note, we should start a tradition that's like an annual Winnebago Media Fest, where we bring that team together again and we go to really cool places with a few different rigs and just create tons of great content. Go pitch that. I'll I'll wait. No. <laughs> It would be amazing.
0: I think we should put that out to the universe and focus on making that happen. Yeah.
2: I don't know if you've shared like with with your listeners here about that, how unique that was and that that whole campaign was created by a team of people that all live full time in Winnebago and went into that project as users and created this pretty successful media campaign that we all did together that um, I think just had a lot of flavor and energy just because we all really knew what we were talking about and um, we'd live the life and we were capturing that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I remember, uh, well, one, yes, uh, at the launch of that uh, in Elkhart, Kyle and I, after like a couple days of the Facebook Live, Kyle and I went to back of a rig and recorded a podcast episode on my iPhone. So I did release that on here to kind of talk about that, but I do remember we were all in Forest City, probably around a little after this time last year, and basically, um, I remember you guys were probably the best soundboard because you were the most of the demographic of the revel. Uh, and so, but you could come at it from the perspective of like, this is we're no, we wouldn't, that wouldn't resonate with us. That's not authentic. So it very, it very was very much was, I think a helpful thing to go through that exercise of how can we create and tell this new story around this vehicle that resonates with its audience. And I think it did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think so too.
0: I think that's one of the biggest changes in our business since we talked to you last is we were doing weddings and portraits from the road primarily for our income. And in the last two years, our business has changed significantly. And now the kind of photography that we're doing is taking products that we use regularly in our normal life and creating authentic content for those marketing teams. And so we're generating images and stories and basically social media content for brands that we love. And so when that comes together with a great product, a great company, and we get to use it and experience and tell that story of why we like it, that's our best case scenario for a shoot. And that's been primarily what we do now.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I mean, what you guys do is way more than like when I hear the words or the term social media influencers, I would say you guys are on the, on the spectrum of like everybody you work with is more of a client than just like you guys are just getting sponsored. sponsor, like throw on a Winnebago hat and just say like, go buy one of these. It's like you're working alongside them as an extension of their marketing teams to create really cool assets with them. And I know y'all do that with Jackson kayaks and all that stuff. So going back to the early stages of starting a photography business. So I'm getting into photography. I love it. Um, I'm putting myself in someone's shoes and you know, like, okay, I, I think, you know, I could do this for a while and And all of that, but where do you go from there? Because it it almost is like you start catching the bug and you want to take photos, but it's like, what is the next logical step that you would walk through if you wanted to take that and actually monetize it? Because I'm kind of racking my brain here. It's like you might say, well, I have friends, I could shoot weddings. Weddings may not be the most fun to shoot, but they're the most. I feel like they're the most default because it's easy. Everyone has friends who are getting married. So it's like if you're in that stage, how do you take your hobby, this thing that you want to do, and actually start molding it into something that can create a lifestyle and a revenue for you?
0: Yeah. So we start backwards. We start with the big picture of what we want to accomplish, and then we plug in the pieces to make that happen. So if you want to be a full-time professional photographer, you have to start with what salary you're going to make from that. So if I'm gonna invest 40 hours a week for an entire 12 months, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm going for a job interview, the key component that I need to know is how much am I gonna make and what are the benefits to make sure that the time that I'm investing is worthwhile. So you do the same thing when you're starting your own business. So you say, okay, this is how much money I need to make And then you go backwards and say, this is how many hours I'm willing to work to make that amount of money. And then these are the jobs that I can do in that amount of time. And so it could be weddings, it could be portraits, it could be whatever kind of photography, lifestyle or editorial or whatever it is. And then you can say, then you say how many of those types of sessions you can pull off in the amount of time you're willing to work for that price. And that really dictates how much you have to charge for it. And when I go through this exercise with people that are starting out, they usually gasp whenever they get that number, <laughs> whatever it is. Let's, you know, if you say fifty thousand dollars divided by fifty jobs is a thousand dollars a job, and photographers go, "How am I going to, am I going to charge a thousand dollars for my work?" Because I don't feel like I'm that valuable. Mm. But you have to think about your life and what your giving for that. And then you have to figure out a way to make that product that you're delivering worth that $1,000 to somebody. That's the hard part. That's Mm. the hard part. (laughs) But there are lots of resources out there to figure out how to make that work feel valuable to your customers. And so if you can start with the big picture and then plug in the little pieces along the way, then it starts to all come together. And then you have a goal of what to work for. And you may not get the $1,000 the very first try. Maybe you get 600 which is 400 more than you originally thought you could. And then you bump it up a little bit more every time. And it all comes together. But
1: it gives you that mark to say, this is what I need to work towards if I want to get to that place that we were talking about where you're enjoying and feel like you're making something that's valuable and that you want, uh, and you know how much you want to get paid for it. So.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. Basically you have to do a job interview for yourself and figure out the parameters and what you're willing to work for. And if you can look at it from that big picture, then you can see if it's a better career or if it's a better hobby. And then at least, you know, going in forward before you invest a lot of money in equipment and time and education and all those things.
1: All right, so you're playing around with photography, you start thinking about how much you want to make, and then is the next step, would you say, to go out and actually, what kind of equipment do you, I'm assuming if you're already playing around with photography, you could be just doing it on an iPhone. So what are some of the costs that would you would say would be associated with just getting up and running if you're trying to think of this as something that you want to grow as an actual business?
0: It depends what kind of photography that you're doing. So, a lot of people go to weddings as the default to make a living as a photographer, but that's actually the one where you have to have the most redundancies in equipment. Um, if you have a camera that fails in the middle of the wedding and that's your only camera, then you have failed that assignment and are setting yourself up for a liability. And so, um, you know, equipment is tricky. You can spend as much or as little as you want to on that. Everybody always says, oh, well, to get a good shot, I need a good camera. Well, Peter can create a great shot from an iPhone. You know, it, It's not about the equipment as much as it is about the skilled person using that equipment. So, of course, there are features and um, you can definitely gain by getting better equipment. But equipment is usually the last thing that I say invest in because as long – I mean, obviously, you have to have a camera, <laughs>
1: I mean, you also probably don't want to show up to a shoot that you're getting paid a thousand bucks for with an iPhone. They're going to be like, I could have done that, right?
0: Right, exactly. So you do have to have some basic tools, but really you need to minimize those expenses. Get something used, get the basics that you can pull off the job with, and then invest in marketing, invest in sales materials so that once you get those images, you are poised to have a great sale. And then after a few great sales, you can get better equipment.
2: So most photographers are kind of um, camera nerds or, you know, they get really excited about the latest whatever just came out, the Canon, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm one of those people. (laughs) That's true. And um, she's not. Um, And so over the years, I've had to basically prove to her why an equipment purchase, especially a camera a lens or something that, you know, I'm really excited about. I have to prove to her and rationalize how it's going to make <laughs> more profit in our business. Yeah. I can't just get it because I want it. I have to say, Oh, well this will have this effect on our business and allow us to bill or collect this much more dollars. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard having someone like that hold you accountable when you're a photographer and you really are excited about all this
1: Gadgetry. But literally every single photography couple I know that runs a a successful production or photography business i.e. I only have a couple of those friends but you guys are one couple our friends Wes and Tira are another couple it is the exact same dynamic and the same for Alyssa and I I want to get a uh, a gimbal on a Sony camera and Alyssa was like, well, if you can get five grand of cool experiences while we're in New Zealand, basically comped, you can get that camera and it's worth it. (laughs) But it's like every time you're having to make that sales pitch to your partner, which is good. Otherwise, I would just go out and buy it and just uh, maybe not exactly have a good business reason why.
2: It's great. And I honestly like really get excited about it now. I used to just despise (laughs) that fact that I had to like. Like I couldn't get my thing. I was like, I needed this thing and I didn't even know why I just had to have it. And now, you know, gosh, right now we've got money sitting in our equipment budget that I've been toiling over what I'm going to buy for the last eight months. And I like, I think of it, I'm like, Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I want one of those. I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I could rent that or only need it like one time a year, but man, it would be great. And so I've got this money sitting there that is just waiting for me to spend it. And I, I haven't found something that I can rationalize that I really need it that bad that it's going to have a great return on investment. Mm. So it's kind of a good place to be. Yeah. Um, but it's also, you know, I think about it. I get online and you read all the marketing stuff on these photography sites, and it gets you really fired up. But then I I start thinking about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, that would be neat. But maybe what I've got is doing it just fine, <laughs> and I justify anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard as a photographer and as a, um, somebody who likes gadgets and electronics and things that do stuff to, to rationalize that. But I think that's been really a good lesson for me that Kathy's taught me over the years is just
1: try to think that way.
0: See, I told you he was a good businessman.
2: I
1: love it. So you create a website. Who do you guys use to host your photography website, by the way?
0: Oh, So we use PhotoBiz and they are amazing. Um, The website is super easy to do. They're basically pre-made templates. You drop your images in, you add your content. There's a whole lot of customization that you can do and they're gorgeous. And I think it's like $19 a month to host it and there's no setup fee. And they'll even help you load all the images and the content. They have amazing customer service.
2: Built-in blog.
0: Built-in blog. It's they're really great to work with.
2: And we, we've had our own like WordPress blog. Well, we had a, another blog before WordPress and then we did a whole series of WordPress blogs over the years. We've had a blog for 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. And this one is, you know, you don't quite have the control like you do with WordPress, but it is really easy just to get stuff out there, you know? Yeah. And that's, to me, that's what it's about.
0: And to get it done quickly and easily and not dread like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get all this together? Yeah. They just make the process, super simple and they're very affordable. So if you think about it, $20 a month, that's $240 for the year. That's a very reasonable expense to invest in your business for the first year. And if you use it properly, you can use that to book clients, which is the most important part (laughs) of having a photography business is have somebody buy your work. Um, So definitely invest in a website definitely invest in marketing opportunities. And I don't always mean invest dollars in marketing opportunities. There are so many different ways that you can market your product with personal relationships and talking to people and social media. There's a million different ways to do it, but that has, that's that's got to be the biggest investment of time and some resources in that first year. So
2: are you saying it's like a really good idea to buy an ad in a wedding magazine?
0: (laughs) He's saying that because one year I spent $5,000 to buy an ad in a wedding magazine and we didn't get a single client from it. single
2: call. The phone didn't even ring once (laughs) from it. Oh, wow. And photographers are notorious for falling for that. I mean, we've fallen for it over and over, but it's... It's another one of those things. If it seems easy, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. yeah. You know? So.
0: So we we spend our energy building relationships with people that have the clients that we want. So for weddings, it was high-end wedding venues. We would build relationships with them. Um, For the work that we do now, it's building relationships with the marketing teams of products that we love. And so whatever type of photography that you want to do, um, for us, relationship building has been the number one marketing tool and it doesn't cost much money. Sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Um, and that, that's all you need to get that first break.
2: And if you're going to do free work, you know, like to see if you're good enough that it's, it's kind of, you wouldn't think this, but. That's the place you want to be investing yourself into, as far as giving things away, is give give your work away to a venue. Um, when we shot a lot of weddings, I mean, one of our best campaigns for marketing is we sent these custom-made Jones sodas, Jones soda, you know, the 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 soda pops, yeah. um, custom labels, and you can go on their website and submit your own graphics, and they'd make a label. Well, we made these like four packs of Jones soda. And we sent them to all these super high end wedding venues in Colorado. And these are places that we've been trying to get our foot in the door for like five years, and they wouldn't even talk to you. Wow. And so we're like, well, let's approach this from another angle. Instead of thinking, what can they do for us? We got to think, what can we do for them? Okay. And we got to give something to get something. So we make these sodas up, and they go in this beautiful box. They have this like confetti um paper in there to keep them from breaking when we ship them they have a custom made label they have a custom card that we'd printed that had a handwritten note inside it talking about how much we would love to just sit down and have coffee with them some morning and if they ever had 5 minutes
1: we would be there at the drop of a hat so on on the on the Jones soda was it like pictures of you guys or was it like branded for the wedding venue
2: it was branded for the wedding venue Oh wow. so it was, it was like wedding type images from the Colorado mountains. Gotcha. So things that would would kind of sing to them. But the whole gist of it is, is we know you're busy. We know you have a lot going on. Take five minutes, enjoy a Jones soda on us. And if you like this, please give us five minutes to chat with you at some point. And, um, these are places we've been trying to get in with a long time. And we got calls from them thanking us for sending them a gift. Oh, wow. And they were like, please come up on Tuesday and we would love to have you for lunch. And they ended up taking us out to lunch and um, having like a full hour, hour and a half meeting with these coordinators. And then we got all kinds of business from that. Wow! Some of them, we even took it a step further as, you know, we got our foot in the door with the Jones soda. But then we, we basically, you know, we've always used the, the model of, you know, what can we do for you knowing that, you know, if we give out good things, good things will come back to us. And so we would ask them, you know, what are your guys' needs? Where do you have holes in your marketing? How can we help? And a lot of them are like, well, you know, we have all these great photographers, but photographers are horrible about sending us pictures after a wedding. You know, they're like on to the next wedding, and they don't want to take the time to send us stuff that we need for our marketing. And we're like, well, you know, we we would be happy to share any images with you guys from weddings we've done there. We know we haven't done a wedding there yet. (laughs) So how about this? We're going to bring up a bride and a groom fully done up in, in a wedding dress and a tux. And we're going to do a whole commercial photo shoot on your property. And we're going to highlight the things that you really want to sell as a business. And we're going to give you that marketing content. And it's going to be outside of the constraints of a traditional wedding. So you don't have to deal with any of that. And they were blown away. They thought that was the coolest thing. So we ended up doing this. We'd bring a lot of times we'd bring up previous brides and grooms of ours that that knew that um, we knew that they would really good in front of the camera and would be excited about this, and we did these whole commercial shoots around getting us more wedding clients. But in a way, we kind of became commercial photographers in a roundabout way, because now we're trying to sell this venue and this experience that these wedding venues are offering, and um, it was wild. It grew our wedding business so fast and especially in the the demographics that we were really going after, which is high end venues. And so then after we did that, we deliver all these images and they show up on their blogs and their websites and it's got our photo credit on it. Then we took it a step further. We started making decor for their offices and for their, the rooms where they meet with these brides. We started printing these big prints and hanging them in their walls. And of course, you know, every photographer, well every smart photographer will be having a sample album there for the, for potential brides to flip through. We had those as well, but, you know, we just tried to take it a, a whole nother step further. And by doing that, we were the first ones that a lot of these venues were recommending to their brides when they'd ask, well, what do we do for a photographer? And so um, these were places that the year before we couldn't even get them on the phone to talk to us. And now they're sending us the majority of their of their wedding couples to come talk to us about photography.
0: So for the marketing campaign, we spent three hundred dollars on the Jones soda. We sent it to 16 venues in Colorado that we wanted to work at. And we became the number one referred photographer at 12 of them. Wow. So it was a lot of elbow grease, a little bit of dollars and a lot of relationship building. And it basically set us up to be one of the top wedding photographers for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah. Now, this was a lot work than buying that $5,000 ad in the really high-end yeah. national wedding magazine. But from a cost perspective, probably
1: comparable or even less.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it had a lot of sweat equity yeah. into it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, we were at a time when, um, you know, we wanted to up our volume. So we had we had the time. We just needed um, more quantity of brides. So that was our way of getting it is taking that time that the time and our expertise and helping out these venues and then, you know,
1: it all comes back around. So Yeah. I think it, it comes back to what I take away from that is like you guys didn't do the same thing that everybody else was doing. It's so easy to throw up an ad and spend a thousand dollars and maybe there's a couple leads and that's easy. You sit behind your computer, but nobody cares. And it's easy to shoot an email or try to make a phone call to a wedding venue, but that's the same thing that a hundred other wedding photographers are doing because it's easy. But it takes intentionality yeah. to sit down and say, we're going to send you a Joan Soda. Be thoughtful of the things that you really need for your business. And people respect that. And then after that, it's just the relationship side, which if you're a good person, you're genuine, then it kind of that part kind of works itself out and it's good for everyone. But I think the thing that so many people mess up on is just like, every so many people outreach in the same way. <laughs> they write the same email and it's just like, you don't even read it at that point because you know that... Like you, whether for better or worse, you make an instant judgment about this person because it's like you send me the same email that a hundred other people sent me. Why do you deserve my time? You don't. Exactly.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So when you guys think about uh, in the early days, you were trying to define that ideal client that you wanted to go after. So you have a website, you have your basic camera equipment. And you have a little bit of portfolio, even if you're just getting started, take some of the photos that you have, you know, some of your favorite work, you put them up on your website. How do you figure out? It seems like a default. Most people go towards weddings because that seems like the lowest hanging fruit in money. Um, is that kind of how you guys identified that? Or was that who you really wanted to work with? Or did you just want to make money doing photography? So weddings seem like the most sense.
2: You know, that's interesting because I, I shot a lot of rock climbing and adventure sports stuff when I first got out of out of college. I'm, I'm formally trained as a photographer from the University of Oklahoma. I've got a, a BFA. So it's more of a fine art degree in photography. Um, when I first got out of school, like I imagined myself working for national geographic, you know, one of the, the traveling around camera bag, um, zebras one day and some kind of, um, political war the next day. And, you know, it was like this really romantic life. And I quickly, you know, um, I made some inroads with that and I was making some, making it kind of work, but, um, it's hard to really make a living at that, especially as a young person who doesn't really, I didn't really understand the whole way it worked. I just thought if I shot a lot that people would just be beating down my door for me to go anywhere in the world and work for them. (laughs) And that's just not the way it is. So, um, at one point, I mean, my dad's given me a lot of great advice over the years and some of it I've reluctantly taken thinking like, he's crazy. Like this, this can't ever work or this would be the last thing I'd want to do. But one thing he said is, you know, that gosh, you should shoot some weddings. You know, there's a lot of, there's good money in weddings. And so I always kind of dismissed that. And then at one point I had a friend that was getting married and it was a good friend from college. And, um, hey would you photograph my wedding I'm like no I don't really do weddings you know I shoot rock climbing and backcountry skiing and stuff like that and they're like well you know we're kind of broke and you know I know you have a camera and you're good with the camera so could you just come to our wedding and just take some pictures and they kept on me for a while and then finally I was like okay I'll go to your wedding I'll shoot it so I went to the I basically I knew nothing about wedding photography so I read like literally the book um Wedding photography for dummies, you know, and that that book
0: exists.
2: (laughs) I read that. I'm like, okay, so weddings, you know, I imagine you you do all these group pictures of people standing on stairways and with stained glass behind them and that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I guess I can do that. So I did that. I went to this wedding and I shot it, and very traditionally shot it. Um, basically off of what this book just told me to do. I just did it. I walked away with two things from that wedding. The first was like oh my God, that was awful. I never want to do that again. That was terrible. But then the other thing that really surprised me was while I was shooting, you know, the 30 shots of of grandma and everybody else, I saw all these amazing little interactions happening between people that were like real interactions. It's not just what I set up on the stairs, you know, standing behind the, with the stained glass window. And, um, and I kind of was surprised by that. Um, I saw a lot of energy and and true emotion. Well, anyway, so I got through that shoot and it was maybe a month or two later, another friend's getting married. Right. And so now I've got like a sign on my back, like, like Peter, the friendly wedding photographer. Yeah. Nothing. And, um, yeah. So, um, my friend comes up and I'm, I kind of start off the same thing. Like, no, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to, that's not really the direction I'm going in. Well, he stayed on me again. And, um, Eventually, I said, OK, I'll do your wedding, but there's one catch. I'm not doing any of that stuff that it said in my book. I want to come to your wedding as a storyteller, not as somebody who just sets up all these formal portraits. I want to be there to capture everything that happens and most importantly, the stuff that you don't even know is going on, the stuff behind the scenes. And he's like, OK, sure. Just come to my wedding. I need, a, I need some pictures. <laughs> and so I went. And I shot that second wedding and this time I wasn't in the constraints of doing it the traditional way. I could do anything I wanted. You know, I wasn't charging them anything. So it was like, you couldn't say much. Yeah. I walked away from that wedding blown away with all the possibilities you could do creatively and the story that there is to tell from a wedding. And so at that point I went from really having no interest in shooting weddings to being like really inspired to shoot weddings and really excited about the creative possibilities and the storytelling possibilities. Because, you know, I think if you're a good photographer, that's really the biggest thing you're trying to tell is a story and give a sense of a place through images. And so, um, yeah, so basically then that happened and then um, I really enjoyed that experience and then a couple more friends asked and I I did all this stuff for free. And then um, at one point I was like, gosh, dad, I think you're right. I should start trying to shoot some weddings. And then it grew from there. And and we shot weddings for probably 15 or longer years.
0: Yeah. And then as we, when we decided to, we just, we, we kind of jump into things with both feet. And so when we decided to actually make a business, um, out of Peter's photography, we had just bought a house. I was pregnant with our daughter And Peter quit his job and left in and I quit my job six months later and we were in. And so we were taking any job that we could get. We were photographing babies and high school seniors and weddings and portraits and corporate events and anybody that would pay us money. We needed to have it because we no longer had a job to rely on. And after that first year, I analyzed our numbers of our business and where the money was coming from and how much work it took to earn that money. And when I looked at those numbers, weddings were our most profitable segment of our business, which was probably because of the way that we priced ourselves. And so Peter loved shooting weddings, it was where we made the most money out of any project that we were doing. And so after that first year, we decided that we were going to focus 100% on weddings. And if other jobs came, that was fine. But all of our marketing, all of our effort was going into booking, shooting, and selling weddings. Mm,
2: I love that. We just we did family portraiture too. Yeah. And engagement sessions kind of came with the weddings, but they were a lot of fun to shoot as well.
0: Yeah. But I think focus built our business.
1: So w- one interesting thing that I that I think about when hearing you guys talk about this is this idea of a bridge business. And I've heard this term a couple of times, first from Brianna who I had on the podcast a while back, but this idea of doing something within your skill set that is more close to mo- that is closer to monetization, um, and that you can still enjoy and still do for a sustained period of time. So, you know, you started out thinking, I want to photograph these adventure sports and, and rock climbing and kite all these things that you really loved. But there was no clear route right in front of you to jump in and say, I can make a decent living and support my family doing this today, but I can go to photography for weddings and uh, engagement sessions and all these other things that ultimately are closer to revenue now. And you can still work on storytelling skills and ultimately working, building a bridge to that next thing, which now you kind of are doing Nat Geo type stuff shooting you really are you're like you're, y'all are traveling in an RV you're going on shoots in really cool places photographing those things that you originally wanted to be doing but I think that's something a lot of people also don't realize is like just because you can't jump in today and make a living doing adventure sports photography doesn't mean that you can't work on those skills doing something relevant and work towards that right
2: it's so true like um, I think this all the time that where I am right now I couldn't have done because I hadn't done the step that I just had completed. And what I mean by that is exactly what you said. You know, I got out of, out of college with a photography degree and I'm like thinking that I can do anything. And in a sense I could, but you've got to go through those motions to set you up. And so like, um, at that point, what i learned in photography school was enough to get me started in weddings. And then once I started in weddings, then I learned a lot just working, you know, in the field. But then I was always going to continuing education and, and reading and, um, you know, studying things online, going to workshops and conferences all over the country and trying to learn from the best people out there. But then a whole decade or more of shooting weddings forces you to do things that I would never have done on my own. You know, I think, I think if you really want to learn to be a good photographer, a wedding is a place to build those skills because you get thrown a million things at you. You know, you have to be a portrait photographer, you have to be a landscape photographer, you have to be a food photographer, and you're photographing wedding cakes, you have to do commercial photography when you're photographing like rings and doing that in an interesting way. That's kind of like like you would for an ad for a ring. So you're putting all these different skill sets that are all photography together into one package. That's called wedding photography, but really you got to be able to work with natural light and flash and everything in between and put it all together. And I think it's the most challenging type of photography really there is, is to be a really solid wedding photographer that you can walk into any situation and pull something out of your hat. Um, So By doing that over the years, you know, then when I walk into photograph a motorhome for Winnebago, let's say, and I have a lot slower pace. I can do it where I want to do it. I can pick the time of day. I can use the proper lens and camera combination. I've got all this control. But um, I learned all those little tricks on how to do this stuff from shooting wedding rings and wedding cakes and couples on the sides of mountains and wedding dresses and, you know, all those skills – have come back around and you're using them. So, so I guess when it gets back to the national geographic thing, it's, it's really, um, it's, I wasn't ready to have those skills yet. I hadn't, I didn't have the experience yet to be able to pull that off. And now that I've kind of paid my dues or whatever you want to call it, I feel like the work's coming around now that I'm able to do the things that originally I thought I was really excited about, but I wasn't ready. And I needed to do these other things to get me there. That makes sense. But I think that a lot. I'm like, gosh, I'm so glad I shot weddings for 10 years or however long because I wouldn't have a clue to know what I'm doing right now if I hadn't spent that time in the trenches shooting weddings. So,
1: yeah, I love that. Last question for you guys is looking back on y'all's photography business over the last decade, last 15 years, what would you say has been the biggest maybe, maybe you wouldn't call it a mistake. Maybe you would, but I guess the biggest thing that you learned, whether it was from a mistake or just overall that like comes to mind that if you were talking with somebody who's just getting started down this road of building a photography business, whether it's weddings, adventure photography, commercial photography, whatever it is, um, that you would share with them.
0: I, I don't know. This kind of encompasses everything. It's, it's a funny story too. So when the recession hit, In 2008, we had a brand new studio um, that we had really stretched to purchase, and we had some really nice equipment that we had really stretched to purchase, and all of a sudden we found ourselves with very few clients, and um, it was a really hard time in our business, and we were coming off of our best year ever, so 2007 was amazing, 2008 was not, (laughs) and so we, we had bills to pay and we don't borrow money. And it was coming up to the Christmas season and we didn't have all of our portraits booked that we knew we needed to sell to pay our mortgage and buy groceries and, you know, the basic things. And so um, desperation uh, really leads to invention And so I had this great marketing idea. Um, We called a local toy store that was a high-end toy store. (laughs) Peter's cringing right now. Um, And I talked to the owner of the toy store, and we decided on this joint marketing venture together. She needed clients. We needed clients. We wanted the same clients, so we were going to do something to bring all these people in. And so she and I had this great idea. She had just purchased an eight-foot-tall stuffed snowman. And we were going to do a marketing campaign around Boulder, Colorado, called "Where's Snowflake," which was the snowman's name. And so Peter and I took this gigantic snowman, and we photographed him all over Boulder. And it was this big campaign leading up to an event at the toy store. And we went into the toy store and we did holiday cards for families. And we sold them on site, and I had all these packages and. I thought we could do, you know, 25 sessions in a day, 10 minutes each. We'd sell a couple hundred dollars to each person and we were going to pay the mortgage all the way through the spring. It was brilliant business-wise. <laughs> and then I told Peter about this idea and he's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> <Snowplane? Really? laughs> so we had to go photograph this <laughs> a snowman and then we came in a store and there are 18 million people Christmas shopping and crabby families and we have like two seconds to photograph each family and we're selling and there's all these technical details well anyway we made enough money off of the shoot to get through the winter which was the goal and Peter looked at me and he was like we can never do this again this is the (laughs) worst job I've ever had in my life
2: I will dig a ditch before (laughs) I photograph
0: another he's like if I have to work for UPS or whatever it is we will do that but I am never photographing snowflake again Right. Yeah. And so um, while it wasn't a failure, it was a very poignant lesson for us. We did what we had to do to keep our business afloat. And it was creative problem solving. And it taught us what we didn't want to do, which is sometimes half the battle. And I think as the advice that I would give to people thinking about starting a photography business is you can do anything you want to do as a business owner. And sometimes we put ourselves in confines of what we think we're supposed to do or what we think a professional photographer does or a business owner does. And it's important to remind yourself to take away those self-imposed parameters. Think about what you really want out of your life and out of your business. And then creatively problem solve how to get to where you want to be and if you can always think about things in a different way and always keep that end target in mind that you can be extremely successful and live an extraordinary life in the process
1: i love that thank you guys so much for uh taking the time to be on the podcast where's a good place for people to connect with you guys online or social media
2: Um, Online on our website is famagogo.com, F-A-M-A-G-O-G-O.com for the family on the go. And um, they can see a lot of different photography on there. And then on social media, um, basically Instagram, it's just Peter Holcomb. It's H-O-L-C-O-M-B-E. And um, you can go on Instagram and check out wherever we're doing at the time. We post every day. I love it. Thank
1: you guys so much.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Great
2: catching up with you.
1: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Kathy and Peter. I love talking with these guys and it always is really meaningful to me whenever you guys take the time to reach out to the guests from the show and just say, thank you for them for taking the time. They gave me an hour of their time to come in and provide value on this show. And I really respect that and I'm grateful for their time. So if you find them on Instagram, uh, Peter Holcomb photography, and uh, just say thank you and uh, just say that you appreciate it and got something out of their interview. And that always is just as meaningful to me as getting a review, although selfishly, I do love the reviews. And I know I ask you guys for those a lot. But either way, thank you guys for listening and uh, enjoying this podcast and pressing play and leaving reviews and being a part of this whole community and movement to, to do work that you enjoy and go experience and travel the world. I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.